This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now live from Studio B, here's Jerem Jordan. And from Las Vegas, Spencer Linton. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, March 7th. Thanks for being here. I'm Jerem Jordan, teamed up with a guy who still has his temper recommend despite the weekend in Vegas, Spencer Linton. Come on now. Got to keep my priorities <laughs> straight, Jerem. Got to keep those priorities straight, brother. No double It was a good weekend. Beverages. It was a clean weekend, and we are ready for more clean basketball, hopefully, on the BYU women's side on this Monday. But the men, ah! Yeah, uh, fun times. Let's talk about it. Here's what's coming up on this, uh, mm. this, this Monday's show. Is BYU cooked after Saturday's loss against San Francisco? Mark Pope tells Spencer why the Cougars still deserve to be a tourney team. We'll break down the numbers as well. Do we have a problem with the last second dunk by Jamari Bouye of San Francisco? And uh, why is the answer no? Uh, Women's Hoops plays Portland today in the semifinals. Uh, Paisley Harding tells Spencer Linton about the Cougars' motivation going into the only conference loss and one of two losses all year. And did Tyler Algier help himself at the NFL Combine despite running a 4-6? We'll talk about it, but first, let's grab some headlines. All right, Jerem, let's go ahead and start with uh, the men's basketball scenario that you just brought up. Well, they won on Friday, which was really awesome because they looked really good, 85-60, but then follow that up with a Saturday loss to San Francisco, 75-63. According to Joe Lenardi, He has BYU as the second team out. So in spite of the loss to San Francisco, BYU is still very much on the bubble, but on the wrong side of the bubble right now. Number 17 women's hoops plays Portland, 3 Eastern on BYU TV in the WCC semifinals today. This is BYU's two total losses, one in league. It was to Portland, as I mentioned. The Cougars still a five seed in Charlie Cream's ESPN Bracketology. Some BYU football news on a Monday. In preparation for transitioning to the Big 12 Conference in 2023, BYU drops a September 29th home game on the 23 schedule against the Rice Owls. Dang it, said nobody. Tyler Algier ran a 4-6 at the NFL Combine, 23rd among the 27 running backs. He had a 33-inch vertical, that was 15th. 10-foot broad jump, that was 13th. He graded out at 6.12 out of 8 and is characterized as, quote, a good backup with potential to develop into a starter. More on Tyler later in the program. 14th-ranked BYU Gymnastics wins on senior night. The Cougars, led by Sadie Minor Van Tassel, once again beat Washington and Illinois State in that tri-meet. Van Tassel won the all-around with 39.525. Men's volleyball lost in four and three at number six USC. The losing streak is up to nine, the longest since 1991, which is also the last season BYU wasn't ranked in the top 15, which is likely happening today. BYU hosts Concordia Irvine this weekend on BYU TV. Back to the happy news. The Batcats of BYU baseball win a weekend series in their home opening series against the Panthers of Milwaukee. And uh, now they take on Oklahoma State, so it's back into the Power 5 competition for BYU. They're 4-0 against P5s this year. 7-3 overall, good team. And Oklahoma State at home. This is the the future. The future is this week. Let's go. Softball went 4-0 at the San Diego Classic, beating the Aztecs, Yale, UC San Diego, and Cal to improve to 13-4 this season. They're playing great ball. The Cougars play 5 this week 
Uh, starting with Arizona State in Tempe. Remember these two tangled in the NCAA regionals. BYU won a dramatic game to continue. Some men's and women's tennis. We'll start with the men of BYU who lost a couple of days in a row and got swept 4-0 at the hands of UCSB and Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. The women, well, they beat Utah State 5-2, so they held up their end of the bargain. You called them out, Jeremy. They answered the call. Yeah. Next up for the ladies, they're at Grand Canyon on Friday. Yeah, I just need to, uh, to not lose to the Pac-12 anymore. You know what I'm saying? I've served once in my life. It was in San Luis Obispo. Now to golf. The women's team nice. playing in the uh, Julie Inkster Meadow Club Invitational in Fairfax, California, while the men are in the Lampkin Invitational in Chula Vista, California. Yoli Childs continues to just crush it in the G League of the NBA. 21 points, 12 rebounds in a loss for the Salt Lake City Stars, but who cares? He's crushing it. We, we don't care about wins <laughs> and losses yeah, there. Yeah. Jake Toulson, 14 points, a couple of rebounds and an assist for his team in Germany. BG Gittengen, Brandon Davies with FC Barcelona had 13 points and three rebounds. And TJ Haas, 12 points, four rebounds, three assists in a win, also in the G League for the Lakeland Magic. It was uh, Jake Tilson's birthday yesterday. So happy birthday to Jake. And shout out to happy birthday, Jake. Coach Steve St. Pierre, my old roommate at uh, the BYU and the BYU men's rugby team who destroyed Utah 57 to 5 on Saturday. Awesome. Also, former Cougar Calvin Whiting and the Utah Warriors set a major league record by scoring 69 points in a win against the Dallas Jackals. Nice work, guys. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. <sighs> Spence, what happened Saturday against San Francisco? Well, to sum it up, Jerem, BYU just did not play a very good basketball game. And let's specify some things. BYU didn't make three-pointers. You got to make threes to try and offset some of the size that San Francisco absolutely has and is an advantage for the Dons. So that's where it starts is the three-pointers didn't go down as much as people want to complain about the officiating. And it was awful <laughs> on both sides of the ball. This was about BYU not making shots. you got to make shots. They just didn't. I thought BYU's defense overall was pretty good. Uh, Khalil Shabazz and Jamari Bouye got going there a little bit in the second half, but they're part of the best backcourt in the conference. You know what you're going to get from them. Better so than Gonzaga? There. BYU just oh – man, I'm telling you what, Jerem, like in terms of individual skill sets, like Gonzaga's a better team for sure. Yeah. Gonzaga's – Backcourt is incredible for sure. But like individual skill sets, just like I think Jamari Bouye and Khalil Shabazz absolutely could beat Gonzaga's guards in two-on-two or one-on-one. Yeah, I think they're that, they're that good. They're just such good scores, And uh, they did a good job of really preventing Alex Barcelo from getting going. That was Shabazz primarily. I thought his defense was outstanding. So you got to make shots to offset the size. And uh, it just it kind of fell off the tracks from there. But like really, really... Uh, BYU, we, we saw the lack of size from the Cougars, and it just it was accentuated by the fact that San Francisco made more shots. Yeah, there was the uh, dunk at the end. Uh, San Francisco made two more shots in the whole game. Um, that was it, right? Uh, but four more threes. So, yeah, let's quantify some of the things you were saying there. 38% shooting, you're not going to win against a tourney team when you do that. Although, San Francisco didn't uh, shoot a much better at 43%. So, defensively, I felt like, the door was open there, but BYU didn't walk through it on offense, like you said. Uh, 49 combined fouls, 55 free throws. Not as bad as the Santa Clara-San Diego women's game, which featured 88 free throws and 60 fouls, which you called. 
the other day, which was super fun. Uh, but yeah, 63 <laughs> points scored is tough, and uh, BYU's probably out, right? We'll, we'll talk in a second about what we think about their chances, but just doesn't feel like there's a good shot here. Jerry Palm's like uh, going to die on the BYU's in the tourney hill, uh, which is cool. And if it really happens, that's great. Maybe on Sunday we're like, hey, we actually got in. This is we're, We were fine the whole time. We were worried. I don't know. It is disappointing, though, because we live in a world where this season someone not named Gonzaga in St. Mary's is better than BYU in the WCC. Every time that happens, it's disappointing. So that's the case this year. Uh, because if BYU is better than San Francisco on Saturday, BYU is going to the dance. And uh, it is unfortunate. I felt like Foos wasn't going to have a good game against the size of San Francisco. I was wrong. He did. 16-12. and 12. Like, Foos, has, he, Foos gave BYU a shot this season to at least be bubblicious. Foos, I would argue, for if you're talking straight value on this team, probably the MVP. AB is the best player. He's the leader. But I'm talking value for what happened with those injuries. Foos is the MVP of this season. He showed up. That was great. And uh, I hope BYU's next game is in the first four. No question. He was fantastic. Uh, the first four conversation is interesting. And certainly when I had an opportunity to speak one-on-one -on -one with Mark Pope after a very disappointing loss, that was brought up. Also, the message to his team. And frankly, I told him to pitch BYU to the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. So here's my interview with Mark Pope one-on-one. -on -one. Coach, I know you haven't had much time to process the loss against USF, but what was your message to the team, and where do you go from this point? Well, uh, my message to the team is I, I'm so proud of them. You know, we didn't play great tonight, but they put their whole heart on the floor, and we're not in the business of moral victories. Uh, you know, we're here to win, but, but, you know, the first step in doing that is to have a full commitment uh, with your heart and soul, and those guys certainly passed that first hurdle. We just couldn't pass all the other hurdles after it, and these guys have done that all season. Um, and uh, it's a really special group, um, you know. In the end, like we haven't we haven't so far managed uh, all the success that we hoped for. But this is a special group of guys that still has great basketball in front of them, and and um, it's just it just is. I'm just really blessed to be able to work with these guys. Now I know the big question for the committee and the people deciding who gets into the tournament is, well, how do you assess a team like BYU? And credit to you for winning 22 games and your guys losing Richard Howard, Gavin Baxter not having Seneca Knight available. So with all that said, what would your uh, message to the selection committee be about hopefully including BYU in the field of 68? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, listen, we have a, we have a great track record of, of a season, a, a body of work that I think is really, really impressive. Um, I think you know when you look at the, the the teams ranked ahead of us. There's 45, give or take a few teams, uh, in the metrics that are ranked ahead of us, and only three of those have played a harder non-conference schedule than us. So if you care about teams going out to play every single competitive game they possibly can, I think that's something to take in consideration. I think it's important, um, and I also think that playing that schedule sometimes can, sometimes it can. It can wear you out in moments, and certainly we felt a little bit of that with injuries. We felt a little bit of that with everything else. But you know, I think that that's something that I hope you know as we kind of rest here on this bubble. If you're if you're talking about like, hey, this is a bubble team, but they went out and played the hardest non-conference schedule of anybody ranked ahead of them, almost three teams. I think that's what I would push teams for. We want to see great basketball. We want, we want teams to go out and chase it, and these guys certainly did. 
If you had to make an adjustment pushing into the postseason just to kind of get your guys right, mentally, physically, uh, schematically, what would those changes be? Well, listen, I mean, you know, we had a lot of things today. It was it was a little bit weird for us today. We, we've been we've been dealing with pressure at the point of attack for the last three weeks, and we we dealt with it really well. And 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 inexplicably tonight, our we just we just we just were a little bit rushed, a little bit harried, and we kind of lost some of that decision making that we made. Give credit to uh, San Francisco; their on-ball pressure is great. Their, their second defender is really, really big and long and mobile, and so that has something to do with it. But us in terms of like our play at the point of attack um, is something we really need to prove on offensively. We got out rebounded for the third consecutive time against San Francisco, and we're, we're close. Our guys are fighting. They're battling. We just got to find a way to, uh, to get more guys in the mix. And then, and then in terms of on the offensive end, not just the point of attack, but our functionality of like, you know, I feel like we made good growth over the last three weeks in terms of playing with an edge, and I thought we made, which we did tonight for most of the game, and I thought we made great progress in this overlying theme with all the specifics underneath of it of, of making plays for our team. And today, it was just it was harder for us, and so uh, those are areas we'll keep keep growing in, and and um, you know we have guys that are performing better and better every game and, and I'm excited about the future of this team basketball wise like we we have good stuff ahead of us I, I continue to believe we have really good basketball ahead of us notwithstanding the disappointment tonight how would you define the season to this point um, I think these guys have battled man I, I'm, I'm just so proud of everything they put into it uh, you know it's um, it's 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 been a season that's been really really competitive uh you know these guys have logged a ton of really important wins about wins that show better now than they did when we originally got them uh guys that have taken on like like we talked about one of the hardest schedules in the country that we could possibly put together and and um and i think we haven't finished the story yet that's what i'm excited about now if it is the nit obviously your guys want to play in the big dance the ncaa tournament but if it does come to the nit how do you get your guys ready to play in that tournament? I don't have these guys. These guys are ready to play. Uh, I think we're going to spend zero time thinking about the NIT right now. We're hoping to, to find our way in the Sensei tournament. And unfortunately, now for the next eight days, all we have to do, the only thing we can do is sit and hope, wait, pray. So that's so what we're going to do. Some scoreboard watching. And uh, you know what? We'll throw in some BYU Sports Nation karma. The things shake out on the bubble in your favor. Mark, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming over. Thanks, baby. All right, BYU head coach Mark Pope obviously frustrated and, uh, as he said, praying that things shake out his way on the bubble, Jerem. But I want to go back to a soundbite because he says that maybe the resume is impressive enough. So let's replay that little segment where he's stating his case for BYU basketball. Uh, I mean, listen, we have, a, we have a great track record of, of a season, a, a body of work that I think is really, really impressive. Um, I think, you know, when you look at the, the, the teams ranked ahead of us, there's 45, give or take a few teams uh, in the metrics that are ranked ahead of us, and only three of those have played a harder non-conference schedule than us. So if you care about teams going out to play every single competitive game they possibly can, I think that's something to take in consideration. I think it's important. 
All right, Jerem, is Mark Pope right? Is BYU men's basketball still an attractive option based on the body of work with the difficulty of schedule and the quadrant one and quadrant two wins in spite of them kind of tailing off? Yeah, and, and to end the season, BYU won five of seven, so it's not like BYU won, you know, yeah. went two and five, uh, but, but they were LMU and Pepperdine, you know, wins three against LMU. It's tough because BYU's 55 in net. The net strength of schedule is 64. I know that Mark said, hey, we went out and challenged ourselves. The net non-conference strength of schedule is 106. It's not as good of a number as I think he was hoping for. The four quad one wins is good. There are teams ahead of BYU like Rutgers with six. Wyoming's got four and a chance for more in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, which might be a four-bid league. Xavier has five. The teams behind BYU like Dayton has two. Um, you know, net strength schedule 117. So there are some good numbers for BYU, but I'm not sure that in six days it's going to be good enough to get in. And, for, and well, I'm mostly sure that it's not. I, I just, we, there has to be a miraculous string of chalky things and for BYU to have a shot here. So I'm not confident uh, that BYU is going to get into the NCAA tournament. Had BYU beat San Francisco, boom, they're on the right side of the bubble. And uh, you play tonight against Gonzaga, and you see what happens. But not feeling too great about the chances here, which is disappointing. In the end, uh, you know, a Pacific loss costs BYU here. If BYU does not lose Pacific, BYU's in right now. Um, you know, if BYU wins one more time against San Francisco or St. Mary's somewhere, certainly in at that point. So those, those two factors certainly played into this season. And, of course, Baxter and Harvard are a huge talking point here but BYU did an excellent job of overcoming that for a long time but then finally the dam broke yeah and for what it's worth some things did fall in the right place for BYU over the weekend in terms of the bubble because there were no bid stealers out of the Ohio Valley Conference Murray State won there Loyola Chicago won the Missouri Valley and a bunch of teams behind BYU lost which is why the Cougars are still only two out, according to Joe Lenardi. And if you look at Jerry Palm's bracket, that's the big reason why BYU is one of the last four teams in in a 12 seed. Uh, but how long can BYU hold on with their current metrics? I mean, when you look at the resume, their net number is 55. That's not typically, speaking of BYU and mid-major conferences, been a winning number for those teams to get into the lottery that uh, sometimes is the NCAA tournament. If you're in a Power 5 conference and you have a net of 55, you got a better shot. But that's not the case for BYU. So Ken Palm 49, uh, the Athletic also has BYU as the first team out. It's going to take a team like Wyoming, a team like SMU, those teams with Michigan kind of laying an egg in the Big Ten tournament and Indiana not playing well in the Big Ten tournament. It's going to take a lot of things for BYU maybe, maybe to sneak in. But it ultimately comes down, Jerem, to what the committee values the most. Do they value the net ranking the most? Do they value the strength of non-conference schedule the most? Do they value the quad one wins the most? Who knows? And if that's where the human element comes into play in this is, what does the committee and the personnel on this year's specific committee value the most? If they value quad one wins and quad two wins and they put a great deal of emphasis into that and they're comparing like, hey, BYU played a tougher non-conference schedule than SMU or than Wyoming. If those things happen, that's where the human element benefits BYU. But that net ranking 
really, really uh, feels like is hurting BYU in a lot of head-to-head -head comparisons. Where do they value things the most? That's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, like, Wake Forest is firmly in. Net strength to schedule 99, right? Creighton is 66 in net, but firmly in. It just it just depends. And then maybe, maybe they look at the WCC and they're like, hey, it's a three-bid league. That was tough. They beat San Francisco. They beat St. Mary's, right? Um, maybe those have value. We will see. We will hope. We will hope and pray. It's both. Our question of the day. If you were a member of the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, how much more money would you be making? No. Would you put BYU in your field of 68? <laughs> Let's get to your responses in voice, voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Weigh in on the internet at JT underscore Lamoureux. I would absolutely 100% put them in, but I'm completely biased, and I don't know how to take off my blue guard. So, yes, we are hoping that the committee sees it. <laughs> we are way in on Joe Lenardi, right? Jerry Palm saying, yeah, BYU's an 11. Let's wait to see what he comes out with perhaps today about is BYU now on the bubble but still in for him. It's interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what he says. Continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah, for sure. And does Jerry Palm believe, does he leave him in? Do they survive the week after all the tournament stuff? Coming up, Jerem, on to some BYU football. Did Tyler Algier improve his draft stock? Ah, his 40 numbers weren't great, but did he did he help himself? And Kristen Kozlowski talks to Spencer about the matchup. Oh, there's Kristen. What's up? BYU in Portland in the semifinals. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The 17th ranked BYU women's basketball team began their WCC tournament run today in Las Vegas. Grudge match with one of the two teams to beat BYU head to head this season. The Portland Pilots watch the game live 3 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Welcome back to the Studio Orleans live in Las Vegas. I'm Spencer Linton and I have the pleasure of teamed up, uh, being teamed up rather with Kristen Kozlowski now, who's going to call the women's basketball game for BYU with me. Kristen, great to have you with Thank us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, rematch versus Portland. BYU didn't get the home game in Provo because of a COVID shutdown, and they lost the only matchup head-to-head. -head. So how much vengeance or anger or pent-up frustration will really play into this game for BYU having only played the pilots once and it was a loss. Yeah, and absolutely. They're coming in with a big chip on their shoulder, which you would hope that they would. You come into this game knowing that that's your only blemish in WCC play. This is a BYU team that's four players, the average double figure. They have a lot of scoring power, a lot of players that are scoring in multiple ways. And so this is a team that's going to be hard to stop at that Portland defense, pressure you the entire game. Can they hold on to the basketball? And for Portland, it's like, you've got to be able to hang and keep up with BYU, and they're going to have to get it done with their defense. When you were playing and you had lost to a team earlier in the season and you just so happened to see them in the conference postseason tournament, how much does that really factor into your personal preparation and your team preparation? Oh, I mean, you come in as a player and you're competitive at this level, right? If you've made it to the D1 and you've made it this far, you want to play the teams that you lost to because you want to prove that you're better than them. And I have no doubt that players like Paisley Harding and Shaley Gonzalez, <laughs> Lauren Gustin, these are the teams that they want to match again. And even Oklahoma lost. Like, these are teams that they want to play again and prove, nope, we're going through you because this is a, a team that we can prove that we can beat. You now, it's worth noting that the first time around, Portland did have their star point guard, Haley Andrews, 
who went out with an unfortunate knee injury in that game against BYU. Portland has kind of had to reinvent itself mm -hmm. a little bit. They looked great on Saturday for sure in their quarterfinal win, a dominant performance against LMU. But how different is this Portland team this time around compared to the team that BYU saw in the Pacific Northwest? Well, in, in that Portland game, Haley Anders went down earlier in, in the second quarter. So she goes down in the second, and Rose Flug, a player that was typically coming off the bench, stepped right in. And so, obviously, you're missing the passing ability of Haley Anders, and you're missing what she can do with fil facilitating the ball. But Alex Fowler went off. I mean, 20-plus points on BYU. She's very hard to contain in there. They have a lot of senior leadership. They have a lot of players that came back, players that were in that 2020 team when they went all the way and upset that Cinderella story. They upset, got all the way, and won that WCC tournament title only for it to be canceled due to COVID. So this is a Portland team that comes in very experienced. They have what it takes to beat BYU, but not if BYU is playing their best. And, mm. and they showed that when they had the ability to beat them when BYU wasn't at their best. They were turning the ball over. They had 20 turnovers in that game alone against the Pilots. And so they've got to take care of the basketball. But this Portland team, I really like how they play. I think they've really bought into Coach Meek and what he's been able to do the last three years. He's changing the culture of Portland. Uh, BYU just has too many weapons. And I think playing with a chip on their shoulder, they're going to come in and they're going to be fired up, ready to go. Now, they're at the disadvantage, right, because they have not shot in this gym yet. They have not been able to come in and be under the lights. Portland had that advantage Saturday. That's kind of the give and take, right? The pros and cons of playing Saturday, playing early. But BYU's had rest. And so they've had the full week off. They've had a full week somewhat to prepare for who they thought would be at this point in the semis. And so I think that's an advantage for BYU. Yeah, and to your point, Paisley Harding straight up told me on Saturday night when I spoke with her, and we'll hear that entire conversation coming up, we wanted Portland yes. for obvious reasons, and now BYU has them. Kristen Kozlowski is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Kristen, maybe you already answered the question uh, with what BYU has to do better. Certainly, you can't turn the ball over 20 times. Yes. But Portland's got really, really frustrating, almost annoying defense that uh, they will throw at you most of the game. So besides taking better care of the ball, what else does BYU need to do better in the matchup with Alex Fowler and the Pilots? Oh, they got to be big on the board. Sports is going to be a big one, too. Rebound, creating extra opportunities, extra possessions. you got one of the best rebounders in the nation, let alone in the league with Lauren Gustin. She's eighth in the nation right now in rebounds per game. So she's going to be a lot to handle for Portland there. But Portland's going to play zone a lot of the time. That's what BYU saw when they were at their place. They played a lot of zone in that game. So BYU has to figure out how to work into that soft spot of the zone, get the ball in the middle of the zone, and then work out of there and, and not just settle for outside shots. So offensively, work to the middle, do well on the boards. Their game is playing fast. So push and transition. Anytime they can create turnovers with their defense, they're going to look to push and get easy buckets in transition. Let's say BYU women's basketball wins this West Coast Conference tournament. They handle their business against Portland. They right the ship, if you will and then they take care of either Gonzaga or San Francisco, whoever wins that game and in the final, is into the final. Is that enough to improve the seed line for the BYU women? Because right now it feels like they are firmly a five in some brackets, a six, which I just don't understand at all. Can they, can they improve their seed line even if they win and are dominant down here? Well, that's exactly what Jeff Jetkins told us, is he said that if we win the tournament title, we should be a four seed. And we've gone back and forth right on that argument of can they host? Will they be able to host at BYU? It's difficult to host at BYU as a four seed. I think they've earned the four seed if they win the tournament title. Absolutely. They've done enough with their record. Their net is high enough. They're at a nine right now. They have enough quad one wins. I mean, this is where they should be placed. And take, take out the factor of that it's difficult to host at the Marriott Center with what they have going on and things and not being able to play on Sunday. 
BYU should earn a four seed if they win the tournament. Yeah, for me, it's just like, hey, I don't care where you play. You you want the best or easiest matchups per se. And so if you're a four seed, then I guess you would get better matchups. Send them wherever Absolutely. to play, but but give them what we feel like they have earned and deserve. All right, uh, before we um, get off this women's basketball topic, because I, I do want to ask you about the BYU men as well. What makes this team unique and special? We keep hearing this is the best team that Jeff Judkins has ever coached at BYU. You played on a really good team mm -hmm. under Jeff Judkins. So what makes them unique and sets them apart from any other BYU team that's been in the, the Jeff Judkins era? Well, I think there's a lot of leadership. We know that. I mean, you had players come back that because of that COVID freebie year, they're able to come back an extra year and, and come into this program and, and really step up and be an extension of Judkins out there on the court, particularly Tegan Graham. She will stop practice and make them take responsibility if they're not running the play right. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't think of a player when I played or a player in the last couple of years that has done that and taken that responsibility on her shoulders to say, we didn't execute in practice and we're going to run it again, Judd. So she'll stop practice and do that. But she's just one example. And you've got Paisley Harding, who's a fantastic leader in there. But this BYU team can score in many different ways. So you look at teams sometimes throughout the WCC that score inside or can't hit from the outside or they can score in transition but they really struggle maybe in the half court set that's not the case with BYU they can score in transition they can beat you in the half court set they can score inside with Lauren Gustin you bring in a whole nother element when you put Sarah Hampson in the game and then they can really score on the outside and you got two of the best players in Paisley Harding and Shaley Gonzalez that can take you off the dribble they can punish you from the outside so multiple ways that they can score but I think also that makes them so dominant is their defense. They're executing the game plan. They think the game plan. They come in, take away your strengths, and they don't make a lot of mistakes. All right, Kristen, now to the BYU men who, uh, in a very disappointing fashion, are firmly on the bubble after losing to San Francisco. Wherever BYU's playing, whether it's in the NIT or they sneak in as one of the final teams into the tournament, mm -hmm. what do they have to do better when they get to whatever tournament play they're in? I think other players need to step up. I think that's what we've seen the last couple of weeks. you got to put players that were injured from early on inside in the post, and then Seneca Knight, you lose him the last couple of weeks. So who's going to step up? We saw Foose have a great game on Saturday, but Barcelo's had to carry it. So who's going to be the extra co-star consistently? And it, when you're playing in the postseason, guard play is so important. Mm. And so I think they need more out of Tijon Lucas. I think he needs to be more of an assertive leader offensively, put himself in the offense more. But Barcelo's doing so much, and we saw that game on Saturday. They were, they were able to key on him and follow him and tell him everywhere and just be physical with him. That's a lot on your shoulders as a player. So they need more role players to step up. All right, let's hang out in a couple hours yeah. and do this, huh? We'll be there. Kristen awesome. Kozlowski, thanks for the time. Always. She's the best. You already know that. All right, coming up, my one-on-one, -on -one, as promised, with Paisley Harding. And did Jamari Bouye's dunk from San Francisco to emphatically end the game against BYU bother you? We'll discuss. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk, enabling global trade for a growing world. We invite all of you to enter for your chance to win one of five BYU basketball prize packs, including autographs from the men's and women's teams, socks, a mini hoop, and more by following BYU TV Sports on Instagram 
Like the post and tag friends for more entries. It ends tonight. We'll announce uh, the five winners tomorrow. So uh, get busy. Get busy. Let's go. He is Spencer in Vegas. I am Jeremy Provo. This is BYU Sports Nation. Follow us on social media as well. YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let's whip it. Google Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Jerem, were you bothered by the Jamari Bouye dunk at the end of the BYU-San Francisco quarterfinal game? No, I was bothered by BYU shooting 3 of 15 from 3. That bothered me more. Um, yep. I, after he was asked about it at the press conference and said, hey, they said some stuff. That was personal. And Todd Golden kind of sanctioned that, right? BYU was asked about it. Mark Pope said, no, we, we got we to gotta play better and win the game. I'm not bugged. I can understand why you're bugged, but I'm more bugged by BYU's inability to win the game. That's what bugs me the most. Yeah, certainly it doesn't feel good when, you know, there's a big dunk at the end of the game and BYU fans are angry because their team's not advancing. The one thing that did kind of not sit with me well was Todd Golden's endorsement of that. I, as a head coach, you know what? If it were me, I would have said, Jamar Bouye is a great player, an emotional player. He made an emotional play. And sometimes that happens in the game. And then it's not an issue at all. But by him saying, I'd have told him to do it too, then it becomes this unnecessarily big issue. Like, it just, just downplay it, and then it's not a thing, and we're not talking about it really. Act like you've been there before. Oh, wait, San Francisco hasn't. This isn't a place they've been. Like, they're excited about stuff. BYU be better, then it's not a talking point. Okay, BYU's a one yeah, seed. Go ahead. I was going to say, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Win the game, and it's not an issue. Win the game. <laughs> uh, BYU's a one seed in NY Buckets NIT brackets. Uh, your thoughts? I hate it so much, Jerem. <laughs> Me too. It's I so stupid. I hate so much that we are viewing BYU in this current reality. Like, yeah, you know what? If you're going to go to the NIT, be a number one seed and have home games that would hypothetically lead you all the way to Madison Square Garden. That's fantastic. But I, I just hate that we have to discuss this reality right now. I, I, this, this BYU team should be in the NCAA tournament. They shouldn't have lost to Santa Clara. They shouldn't have lost to Pacific. And the West Coast Conference should have four teams in the tournament. That, that's, that's the reality. Now, this is a school with a rich history of NIT tradition. Uh, recently, you know, in the past decade, uh, a Tyler Hawes, Chase Fisher, Brandon Davies team went to Madison Square Garden. And, of course, 1951 and 66 championships led by Mel Hutchins, Roland Minson, and Dick Namelka. We value those a lot. But the NIT sucks. So, no, I hate this. <laughs> Name the winner from last right, year Jared, of the NIT, by the way. I have no clue who it is. I don't no care. Idea. I, I don't care. No idea. No idea. No idea. Did Tyler Algier improve his draft stock at the NFL Combine after some slower than expected 40 times, among other things? He didn't improve it, but I don't know that he hurt it. Like, I don't know that he's dropping to, like, the sixth or seventh round. We were hoping for, like, third or fourth round. Maybe he's a late fourth, uh, fifth round guy. The film speaks for itself. That's what we'll say when these numbers aren't convenient, right? We were hoping that Tyler would run, like, a 4-5. We both kind of guessed that he'd run a, what, 4-4-1 and 4-4-8. 
Not even close. Um, but yes, he is an NFL running back backup somewhere. That's going to happen regardless of those numbers from the comeback. We spend a lot of time talking about body of work with these tournament resumes. Well, there's a body of work at the NFL Combine, too. We just place so much emphasis, and we, the media, uh, is what I mean, on the 40 time. But you know what? He had a decent broad jump, pretty good vertical, you know, middle of the pack. He wasn't even the slowest running back at the Combine, for crying out loud. And he's very impressive in his interviews and in his sit-downs. Uh, very cerebral kid. They love his humility and his hard work. Like, he has a bigger resume from the Combine and his actual game playing at BYU than just the 40 time. And frankly, Jaron, he can improve his 40 time when BYU runs it at their own NFL Pro Day. So it's not all said and done at this point. Yeah, exactly. If he runs like a 4, 5, 9 or so, you know, just a little bit better, it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. It's, and not every running back in the NFL is like running a 4-4 or a 4-5. Not everyone's like speedsters at that level. It's all good. It's all good, man. Okay, which of the following do you think was Tyler's best 40 time? 2020 game versus Boise State where he had the 86 yarder. 2021 versus Utah State where he almost scored. Or the punch out versus Arizona State last year. Oh, hands down, it's the punch out. The ability to <laughs> run down that guy after he was blocked twice and slowed. Like, the fact that he caught him and then punched it out, that by far was his best 40. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, he, although he was galloping on this Boise State and Utah State stuff. Listen, Mountain West Conference runs, those were too easy. This was at least a challenge against Arizona State. Let's see if you guys can go score a touchdown. Oh, you cannot. I will punch it out. Fantastic stuff. Oh, the highlight. So amazing. Okay, Jerem, Joe Pompliano, who writes on sports and business, he's taken notice of some of the athletics facilities at BYU, specifically Miller Park. Uh, Miller Park number 14 in terms of most beautiful sports venues in the world. In the world, any sports venue. Is that too high, too low, or just right? Listen, I'll take it. It's probably too high, but guess what? We love it. We're a little bias here, or a lot of bias here. It's amazing. Honestly, I love looking through this thread. Like, BYU's Miller Park is ahead of, like, a soccer field in Greenland, the F1 circuit in Monaco. It's like, <laughs> what? Which was featured in, what, Iron Man 2, I think? Is that where that was? Yes. Crazy. Yes. Like, just behind, like, the ground, which is this famous soccer field on a rooftop in Manhattan. Like, wild stuff. Yeah, the mountains are super impressive. It's like a mini Alps, you know, with a right. baseball field in front of it. Fan fantastic. But anything in front of Monaco is incredible. We'll take it. Holy Let's cow. go. All right, coming up, our double down picks from over the weekend. And Paisley Harding goes one-on-one -on -one with Spencer, the motivation of wanting to play Portland today in the semifinals and what they can do to improve the resume. This is BYU Sports Nation from Provo and Vegas. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU TV, your home for the West Coast Conference women's semifinal games today. Coverage begins at 3 Eastern, noon Pacific. The one seed BYU taking on number four Portland, and at 5 Eastern, roughly, two seed Gonzaga against the three seed USF Dons. Watch the action on BYU TV or the app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. 
Jerem Jordan will join us again in just a moment. I am Spencer Linton, and in just over two hours, a very motivated BYU women's basketball team will face those Portland Pilots, a team that beat the Cougars head-to-head -head earlier this season. On Saturday, prior to the BYU men's game, I spoke with one of the many BYU women's stars, Paisley Harding, about the proverbial vengeance match. Paisley finally made it to Las Vegas with the BYU women's basketball team. The triple by, well-earned, well-deserved, but you kind of have to wait a while to play. So what are your emotions like as you watch a bunch of the other teams playing conference before you finally get on the floor? Yeah, so I've been watching the games for like the past two days, and I'm just itching to get back out on this court. It's like a beautiful court. I think it's really nice. And so I'm just ready to get out there and play. We have, I think, two more days, yeah, today and then Sunday, and then Monday we'll be able to get on the court. So I'm so excited. You've already made some great memories in this building on this floor, but last year, a bitter taste for sure, losing on a questionable buzzer beater at the hands of Gonzaga. How much does that play in the back of your minds and motivate you now this year? I mean, I have been in this championship game twice now, and I won one and I lost one, and I'm trying to end on good notes. So, yeah, I, don't, I haven't thought too much about last year's loss just because we were able to go to the NCAA the next like week. We found out we were, which was that was a great surprise. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be a lot harder like on myself and the, my team making sure we're doing everything correct like on, in our games to make sure nothing is even close to being a slip up this year. How do you handle the proverbial rust that the team may have because you've had an extended layoff? Though you have gone through this earlier this year because of a COVID shutdown. So what have you learned from that and what are you going to do this time around? I mean, every single day that we have practice, our team's so competitive that we're always going at each other. So, I mean, we're used to it. We play each other so tough, maybe the toughest we've played against like all season. So it's really fun. Practices are great. And I think that's what is the best for us. I mean, we don't have one tomorrow, but we'll try and do a little bit of yoga or something to stay fresh. <laughs> okay, uh, your team received the all-conference honors. I know that there was uh, a little bit of an issue, at least internally, with Tegan not being honored on one of those teams. How do you handle that emotionally, and how do you boost her morale if it's down at all? Well, she made honorable mention, which was amazing, but I think every single one of our starters and even Sarah should have been um, mentioned and given some credit just because of how amazing our team is this year and everything they've done to contribute. So I don't know. I think I really wish Maria had gotten some conference recognition because she deserves it. She's played so tough in this league for the past five years. So I wish she would have got a little something, but I know she's going to show out to this whole week in this tournament. So I'm, I'm excited for her. You match up with Portland, who survived today. They beat LMU, who kind of had a Cinderella run going. Obviously, Portland's only one of two teams to have beaten you head to head. So how does that factor into your preparation and how you approach that game with them? I mean, I kind of think back to last year. We lost to San Francisco, one of our last games. It was our last game of the season, and we lost them. And we came into the tournament, and we played them and beat them by, I think, 40 or something like that. So I hope it's something similar to that. We've worked a lot on how we can feel more comfortable in their press and in their zone. And I think we've been able to do that this week. I'm super excited to play them and kind of I'm glad we get to play them and have our redemption. So and maybe show them like that night was just a little off night for us. <laughs> what is the key to handling their pressure? Because it's constant yeah. and almost annoying if you have to play against it all game long. Patience. That's what Lee and Jetty and all our coaches have been telling us all week. Be patient. Let um, 
almost let someone get trapped where you can come and help them and be to the rescue to get in front of them. So it's just patience. I think that's a big thing for us this week and just making the right play, making the easy play and not trying to make the home run pass. Paisley Harding is with us on BYU Sports Nation, getting set to take on Portland in the semifinals of the West Coast Conference. Paisley, when you look at a number 17 national ranking and a projected five seed, I know you try and block that out and just focus on one game at a time, but how do you balance that personally when the national accolades are kind of rolling in for this team? Um, I love the ESPN app. I get notifications every single time. I'm always looking at bracketology. I love stuff like that. But I mean, it's, it's all the, every single game that's in, ahead of us is what's really important. And I think our team knows that. It's so fun to have this like national recognition because I think we deserve it. I think we're a really great team and we've really built on our success. So I'm really happy for my team that we get to have that and maybe kind of feel a little glamorous. There are a lot of people that while you are ranked and are pacing for a five seed, feel like maybe you're not getting enough respect. <laughs> Do you buy into that? And if so, does it does it fuel you somehow? Um, I I know the politics of life. I've I felt them, and so I think it's just part of the game. It's part of life. It's we're gonna be. We might think really highly of ourselves, and maybe other people do, our fans, but what really matters is what the people that are writing down our numbers is doing. So, I mean, I don't try to get too caught up into that. So I, I like to fire up my team sometimes. Like, you guys are going to hate this, but I, it's whatever. It is what it is. Just the fact that we have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament again, and we know that for sure is a really cool blessing to have, and I'm excited. How are you handling the emotions of this all as a senior? It's weird because I know this will be my last time playing on this court and then all we have left is the NCAA tournament and I'm like okay well that's college for me like that's it that's what I dreamt of when I was a little high schooler so it's kind of surreal I'm I'm really happy with what I've been able to do so far at BYU I hope I can do a little bit more but yeah it it's a blessing to be able to have the success I've had in the career I've had and I'm just really happy with what I've done and the person I've become. So it'll be good. It's just going to be weird. Like, that's the word I just keep using. Your coach has called you the toughest player he's ever coached. How do you feel about that honor, if you will, from the lips of uh, your coach? Well, he's got something right, I guess. <laughs> just kidding. No. Oh, oh, look who, look who it is. What are you doing? <laughs> what is she saying about me? She's saying you're an amazing coach and that she agrees with you. She's the toughest player you've ever coached. Well, I agree with that, too. She is the toughest. No. What a joy to coach this young lady. I've been so lucky for five years to coach Paisley, and there's not a kid that works harder than her and, and, and listens, and she's gotten better every year. So she's looking forward to this tournament. So are we. And while I have both of you here, let me issue a double dose of the BYU Sports Nation karma. Okay? Full dose for you, Paisley, and a full dose for you, Juddy. We'll take care of business against Portland. Thanks, thanks for the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you. Thanks, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> Love the impromptu appearance from Jeff Judkins, uh, yeah, who was standing by next to the camera the entire interview. Uh, all right, we're coming back with our Double Down recap and a rise and shout out. It's game day for the BYU women. Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is always available on demand via the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's recap Double Downs, which I have basically won, but let's go through it. Spencer, walk us through you. All right, I said BYU men's basketball on Friday. 
would have at least a six-point lead at halftime. They were a 10.5-point favorite in the game. BYU crushed LMU. They were up by 15 at half. The game was essentially over at halftime, so I got that one right. And then on Saturday, I pushed my second pick forward to the game against San Francisco, doubling yeah. down on that. BYU got there. Said T. John Lucas would have at least 10 points and five assists. BYU, I felt, needed that at least to compete. And he didn't get there. It was close. He didn't get there. Eight points, four assists. So, uh, no go on the second pick for me. One, BYU have four more, uh, four or more assists against LMU. Yep, they were plus six. Joe Quintana, who made eight threes the game before, would have zero, one, or two made threes. He had one. <laughs> so I got three points there. The standings as of now. I have 41 points. You have 24. This thing's over, right? Like, BYU's not going to yeah, play pretty, five games? Over. They can't play five games. They're in a 32-team tournament in the NIT, probably. Is it officially over right now? Have I won? I think I've won. I think let's, just, let's, just go, let's just call it. I, I, the white flag is up. It's been white over. White flag is up for it's me, It's been over Jerem. since January, by the way. Anyway, our question of the day. If you were a member of the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, would you put BYU in your field of 68? Our elite voice of the day is presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Jason Thomas on Twitter. Does body of work matter more or the last month? Do Q1 wins matter or momentum? I'd sure love to see BYU play against a team without WCC officiating. Well, there it is. It took uh, 57 minutes uh, for us to mention the refs. Yeah, it's all good. Today's Rise and Shoutouts are presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. All right, Jerem, uh, how about this? BYU Rugby helping the Cougars continue their dominance over the Pac-12. 57-5 yeah. to 5 win over the Utes. Pac-12 champs, baby, let's go. Just crushing it. Shout out to Steve St. Pierre. And of course, best of luck to women's basketball because uh, boom goes the dynamite. Semifinals coming up here. Thanks to today's guests, Mark Pope, Krista Kozlowski, and Paisley Harding, and Jeff Jack. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can always use the hashtag BYUSN. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time. For Spencer, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Tressa Spaulding. Join us at 3 Eastern for BYU women's basketball versus Portland in the West Coast Conference semifinals. Go Cougs, baby!